0: Have you ever felt let down? Like in your life, have you ever just felt let down? You felt like you had these expectations of people or organizations or churches or Christians or anything like that and just your expectations weren't met. And I know that the holidays especially have these really big expectations around them, right? Like there's this need and expectation that it's going to be perfect. There's this need and expectation that everyone's going to be nice and that you're going to get what you want, right? And all of these things. Or that people will respect and honor the holiday like we do, right? Like, And so you're like some of the people that's like someone says happy holidays to you and you scream Merry Christmas in their face, right? Like there's just this expectation about what is going on. And... So many of us, I think during especially this season, one of the hurts that we experience is disappointment. I don't know if you're dealing with that, maybe even now. Maybe Thanksgiving was super disappointing, so you're really not looking forward to Christmas. And you're kind of like, man, every year it's the same story, it's the same issue, it's the same way that things go. And man, I'm just not looking forward to this. And one of the things that we've talked about in this series is really the fact that when we deal with holiday hurts, it's not how to make everyone else behave so you don't get hurt. Right, That's not what this series is about. It's really about us transforming through the power in the Word of God and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is transforming the way that we behave and the way that we respond to things. And so today, I want us to deal with the issue of missed expectations. I want us to deal with how you and I can respond in this season to this moment, because the reality is I know that somebody in here is disappointed. I mean, there's people that are disappointed that we're doing service on the 23rd and not the 24th and all of these things. And so I want to help us get through this. But you guys have heard the phrase never meet your heroes, right? I have a story, okay? So I was about 13 years old. I was in middle school and I played for the middle school baseball team. And one day, I'm sitting in math class, which was not my favorite, and so all of a sudden, my coach, his name was Coach Joe, he slams into the room, like, like aggressively, and I was like, oh, everyone was scared for a second, and he said, hey, Mr. Stokes, I need Blake Harkup. Uh, he's got to leave class immediately, and I was like, oh, no, <laughs> like, what happened? So I get up. I'm like, I got to go. So I leave, and when I'm leaving, and we're in the hall, my coach throws me a baseball, He like tosses me a baseball, and I'm like, this is weird. And so my mom worked at the school at the time, and so he had gotten permission from my mom, and he said, listen, I got to tell you something. There is a famous athlete. I'm not going to name him this morning. I did last night. But there's a famous athlete eating at a barbecue place one block away. I was having lunch there, and he plays baseball. He was a multi-sport athlete, and he goes... I'm taking you, man, and we're going to go down there, and you're going to meet him, and we're going to get this baseball signed by him, and I'm like, okay, this is the best interruption ever, and so I leave, and we walk down to this barbecue place, and I remember it like it was yesterday. We walk in, and I'm next to Coach Joe, and I look in the back right corner booth, and there is this guy, and he's sitting there. He's eating. There's really no one else in the place, and... He looks up at us. It's magic, right? And I, we look at him. And I'm like, this is so good. This happening, right? And then also, like, we, but it was awkward. Like, we look at each other for too long. And then my coach looks at him and goes, hey, like, he's like, you know, like, whispering kind of, can you sign this baseball for him? And the guy looks at us and goes. And in the moment, my 13 little tender heart shattered. And I looked at this person, and I was i like—I was kind of shocked. And my coach thought it would work for sure, because I was like 13 years old. Like, I'm a kid. And so what happens is, is in this moment, I remember leaving and going, man, that didn't go like I expected it to go. That didn't happen the way that I thought it was going to happen. That didn't go... Like, I thought I would have a great story today. Now I have a sermon illustration. And so I walk out of that moment, and my coach is like, man, I'm so sorry. I thought that they would respond totally different. And what I realize now that I'm a little bit older is my expectations in that moment weren't met. And for a long time, I was like, that person is not a good person. That person, like, in one experience of my life, Like, wrote me off, didn't have time for me, didn't do what they could do for me, didn't do anything for me, and wasn't kind in the process. And, man, that hurt. And then now that I'm older, I'm like, man, what if he was cut from the team that day? Or what if he had a terrible day? Or what if something happened to his family while he's down here during spring training, and he's trying to process through that? Like, there had to probably be something going on for him to look at a 13-year-old kid with a baseball and go, nah. And so what I realized is, is the way that I healed from the hurt was when I shifted my understanding and my expectation of people. I realized like, hey, I needed to shift how I thought you should behave. And that grace and and all of these things could enter my life. Because when we think about the holidays and especially the people that are around us, all of us have expectations of the people that we're celebrating with. Right, And I think there's really three expectations that we have as people towards others during seasons and during moments of life where we kind of have these expectations of like, you'll do three simple things for me. Like, if I'm important to you in this life at all, you'll you'll do three very simple things for me to help me. And I'm not saying that these are bad expectations, but we got to put the right expectations on the right people. But here's what I think we hope for in other people. One is that people will be interruptible. I think I expected that that guy was eating lunch and that by me coming in and saying, like, hey, can you sign this for me, that he would be interruptible. He would say, oh, yeah, come on over real quick. Let me si- yeah, man, what's your name? Oh, cool. What do you- oh, you play baseball, too? That's great, man. You know, keep it up. And I thought for a moment that he would be interruptible. Maybe like this is some of your expectation of people in your family. Like I don't know if you've ever had something really exciting happen and mom or dad was cooking dinner for the holidays and you wanted to run up to them and you had just something you wanted to share with them real quick. And you looked at them and you're like, hey, 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 mom, hey, dad, hey, hey, hey. And they looked and they're Not now. Not now. I've watched this happen in my own kids' lives where they have something so exciting to them, not really important to me, but exciting to them, and they want to share it with me, but I'm preoccupied in something else, and so I'm not interruptible. And I'll say, like, hey, I'm busy. I, I'm doing something. Can't you see that? Parents, you just say that to your kids? Don't you see I'm doing something? This is also what we're saying. Your interruption isn't as important as what I'm doing. And so we have this expectation that people will be interruptible. Not only that, but they'll act with kindness. Because how many of you have interrupted somebody and then they're mean to you, rude to you? You're like, this ruins the whole thing. Like if I looked at that person and I said, hey, athlete, can you sign this? And he's like, yeah, come on, come quick. Get over here. And then just toss the ball at me. Or it's just like, you know, throw it to me, signs it, whips it back, breaks my little 13-year-old hand. Right? Like, I expect that when I interrupt them, and I'm important enough to be interrupting, that there's going to be kindness. And not only that, the third expectation is is we expect people to do what only they can do. Like, there are people in your life that they can only fulfill certain needs in your life. Like, you get one mom, one dad. You get, like, and you might have stepmoms and stepdads and all those things, but those are unique roles that only they can fulfill. You have only a certain amount of friends. You have a best friend. You have a spouse. You have siblings, all of these things, and family and friends, and they can do only certain things for you. Like, and you know this, right? Like, how many of you talk to your friends about things you would never talk to your family about? Especially when you're talking about your family. Right? And so what happens is, is th- those, are, I think, are three big expectations that we have of people, especially during the holidays. That I'll be important enough into your life that I can interrupt it. That when I do interrupt it, you'll be kind about it. And that you'll do some things for me that only you can do. Like that athlete is the only person who could assign that baseball for me. That's it. They were uniquely positioned in my life in that moment to deal with it. And so today, we're going to get into... The Bible. And we're going to look at a story in the gospel of Mark where some things happen in the story. And here's what I entitled today's message. I've never been so glad to be let down. Have you ever thought that? Like, have you ever been really glad to be let down? Have you ever been like, man, I'm glad I was let down? I think today we can shift the narrative in your mind and the expectations in your heart and actually get you excited about being let down a little bit. Because we talked about this. It's not about changing the way that everybody else in your home and your family and your friends behaves. It's about how you receive it. You guys ready to be let down? Okay, good. Let's get into the word. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do something unexpected today. We don't do this all the time, but we're going to do it today. I'm going to read through the entire story, the passage that we're going to be in today, but here's what I'm going to ask of you. I'm going to ask that you stand up. I'm going to ask that you stand up in honor of the word of God as we read this story. I'll make a couple comments as we go throughout the passage, but I want us to hear the whole context of what is going on. So, we jump into Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 21. Jesus crosses over to this new area. He had just healed this person. It's a famous story of Jesus casting the demons into the pigs, and they run off a cliff, right? So, Jesus gets in a boat, and he goes across. So, in 21, when Jesus had, again, crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, that's the Sea of Galilee, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then... One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus, that name is really important. You're like, why? This seems like an extraneous detail in the story. Jairus literally means God enlightens. God enlightens. God brings something to understanding. So here's what the reader of the time and what you and I should do. Oh, the biblical writer chose to use the guy's name because he's going to accomplish exactly what the guy's name means. So we, when we read this story, should go, God's going to awaken and enlighten something in my heart and mind in this story. So this guy, Jairus, comes up and he says, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. That's a little bit weak language there that we use. Here's what it means. My daughter is on death's door. She's going to die in any moment. Please come and put your hands on her. So that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Jesus left and went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Everybody say 12 years. This is going to be important to the story because we're going to see 12 years in just a few minutes. But here's why it's important you need to understand what Mark does all the time Mark builds truth sandwiches. Mark will give a story, a little bit of meat in the middle, and then another story and go, hey, this is all saying one big thing. So this lady has been dealing with this disease, this issue, for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she gets worse. How about some unmet expectations? So when she heard that Jesus th- heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. This is common in the day. This wasn't unusual. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body she was freed from her suffering. Hmm. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You ever done something you thought might be wrong, and then someone calls it out, and you get a little worried? <laughs> yeah, this is what's happening. You see the people in the, uh, crowding against you, the, his disciples answer, and yet you ask, who touched me? They're like, we're never going to figure this out, okay? We're in a crowd. What are you going to do? So Jesus doesn't listen to them. He's like, okay, you don't get what I'm doing, okay? But Jesus kept looking, kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. Sounds a lot like what Jairus did. He came and fell, she came and fell at Jesus' feet, right? And she is scared, trembling with fear and told him the whole truth because this woman had been dealing with shame from the issue of her bleeding for 12 years because for 12 years, she was ceremonially unclean. For 12 years, she was ostracized because anybody that touched her now was unclean. So she was cast off. So she's scared. She bows down. She she gets there. She's trembling. And he said to her daughter, notice the language he uses, familial language, a girl, a woman that he had never met before. He says daughter. Daughter. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some of the people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. Like you didn't get here in time. If Jesus maybe would have been here five minutes earlier, it would have been okay, but she's dead. And they said, Why bother the teacher anymore? His use for us is gone. Why bother him? Overhearing what they had said, Jesus told them, Don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, John, and uh, John, the brother of James. He's differentiating there. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. She's not dead. She's just asleep. Man, here's verse 40. But they laughed at him. They had some kind of expectation. Dead people stay dead. After he had put them all out, he goes, okay, everyone needs to leave. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk. Oh, here we go. She was 12 years old. There's the sandwich. At this, they were completely astonished. And then Jesus gives strict instructions not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. I guess when you die and get raised again, you're hungry. All right? All right, so go ahead and take a seat. So this is where we're going to camp out today. This is where we're going to see some things that go on. And maybe some of you in this story picked up on some pretty important aspects of what's going on. But here's the first thing I think we need to notice about this. Some of us in here feel like we should not interrupt God with some of our problems. But I want you to notice something that happened in the story. Twice, Jesus is interruptible. Twice in the story, Jesus can be interrupted from what he's doing, right? Immediately when he goes over and gets in the boat, he, when you're getting in a boat and rowing across the sea, you got somewhere to go. You're heading somewhere. You have a destination and a place and a ministry to go to. And the Bible says, excuse me, that immediately this guy comes up. Verse 24. So Jesus went in with this large crowd and they they pressed in. But I want you to notice that as soon as Jairus gets there, he bows down at Jesus' feet and Jesus is interruptible. Jesus is going, I got somewhere to go, but hey, tell me what's going on. Your little girl is on death's door, and Jesus goes and follows him. Now, this seems like an important moment, right? Because you're heading to the house of a person whose daughter is on death's door. And yet, when a woman touches Jesus' cloak, he stops in his tracks because he's interruptible. And you think, man... We've got to go help this sick girl. Isn't that important? And Jesus goes, I don't think you understand what I'm able to do. So even if she were to die, which he knows she will, I can deal with that too. But I need to be here for this woman. I wonder how many of us, our expectation of God is like, man, you don't want to be bothered. You're dealing with much more important things. It seems like we're on the verge of World War III. I think you got to deal with that, man. You seem busy. It seems like there's a lot going on. And so like when I'm hurting over what my family said to me, I just, I don't want to bother you with that because here's the deal. I feel like I'm inconveniencing you. And what the Bible says in multiple places in the New Testament is that God is interruptible, that Jesus is interruptible. In fact, he's eager to be interrupted by you. Why? Because you're important. You're important to God. And yes, there may be a million other things going on, but some of us, because of our experiences with others, feel like we can't interrupt God because we're not even important to people. I told you, are you ready to be let down? Because some of us in here have the expectation that we only go to God with the catastrophic things, the big things, the worrisome things, the awful things, and God wants everything. God wants every part of you, and he is interruptible. How many of us just need to hear that today? God wants to be interrupted by you. Why? Because you're a daughter or son. Notice what he doesn't say to her. Hey, woman. Hey, you. What's up, bud? Hey, pal. Hey, sick person. He looks at the woman and he says what? Daughter. Daughter. What is he saying to her? I know that everybody else has shamed you for 12 years. You're close to me, and I'm close to you, daughter. The language there is about closeness and intimacy. And notice that Jesus didn't say, didn't you see that I was busy? Don't you know I was on my way to heal a little girl? No. Immediately, Jesus stops and goes, hey, who touched me? Who touched my cloak? The disciples say, hey, there's a lot of people here, man. We're never going to get to the bottom of this mystery, but there's something important going on over there. We've got to get there. And Jesus says, says, eh, I need to find my daughter. I'm interruptible because she's important to me. Not only that, so Jesus is first showing his importance to Jairus because he says, I'm interruptible. I had something to do, but I will go save and rescue your daughter. But then on his way to do that, he meets the woman who everyone else had shamed, who no one else in the world had given value to, and he calls her daughter. So Jesus meets one of our expectations of other people. He's interruptible. He's able to be there. He, He would welcome in this moment. But not only that, Jesus is going to do exactly what people need, but he wants more. Jesus is doing exactly what they need, but he wants more. Here's where we're going to go. Mark chapter 5, verse 31 to 34. You see the people in the crowd against you, the disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking. It was important. Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling in fear because of all the shame that she had in her life, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter... Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed. Not only that, look at what happens later in verses 40 to 42. Everyone laughs at Jesus because he says, she's not dead, she's asleep. But they laughed at him. And after he had put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Jesus met their need, but wanted more. Jesus could have just been like, Nope, I just healed somebody, but I got somewhere important to be. I don't need to know her. But what does Jesus want? Jesus wants more than you and I expect. She expected healing, he wanted a relationship. They expected healing, and they were true in their faith. Like, they expected healing, but their expectations weren't high enough. Jesus didn't just want to raise the girl from the dead. He wanted mom and dad and the disciples and the little girl to know him. He wanted more than what they were expecting. Have I ever told you that you'll be excited to be let down? See, some of us in this room have been praying to God for a very long time to do something, but God wants something more than just doing the miracle. So many of us want these miracles in our life, want to see God's hand move, but we don't want to know his face. What Jesus says is, I want more than just to heal you. I want more than just to raise you from the dead. I want to know you, and I want you to know me. Have I ever told you that you can be excited about being let down? Because some of us in this room are wanting the miracle of God, but we don't think that God really wants to know us. Man, we want to receive the healing, receive all these things in our life. And our expectation is, man, God, you can do that. But is your expectation more? Not only does God want to heal you, he wants to know you. Man, that's an incredible idea. That's an incredible moment for us to think about. And Jesus could have easily just said, ah, yeah, that happened. I'm moving on. But instead, he stops and seeks after this woman, calls her daughter, and now this is familiar language. You're my daughter, I'm your father, you know me, and I know you. And not only are you healed, now you're freed. Because the shame of being unknown is gone in your life. Now I know you. It's an incredible moment where these people had good expectations, but not God expectations. In each case, Jesus was able to do exactly what they needed But he didn't want to just heal them. He wanted a personal encounter. And let me just say this. Some of us are asking for healing, asking for our finances to improve, asking for all of these things. But here's what Jesus knows. When we are in need, we will seek him. And it's an opportunity for us to get to know him and him to get to know us. And so maybe the reason that God is not meeting your expectation right now of him being able to heal you or change something in your life. is because he wants to do a greater work. He wants you to actually know him. Because how many of us have heard that prayer in the movies? Hey, God, if you don't allow this to happen, I will serve you forever. And then it happens. And then literally in one movie I watched, the guy goes, thank you. Never mind. And he leaves. <clears throat> and we all laugh. I think that's kind of real. Because, man, when you face needs in your life that are bigger than you, you need someone who's bigger than you. And maybe the reason that God isn't meeting your lower expectation is because he has a higher one. He has a greater work for you to do. And maybe some of us in this room are experiencing our expectations not being met, but are you anticipating something greater? Are you anticipating that God has a greater work in your life? God has a greater moment in your life. And you're like, where is this in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. Paul begins to talk about this thorn in his flesh in 1 Corinthians. And he says, I've asked God to remove this from me three times. But God did not answer. And then he goes, because God had a greater work. Because I am reminded of my weakness. And when I'm reminded of my weakness, I rely more on him. And when I am weak, he is strong. And so I will boast all the more in my weakness, for he is shown strong. Paul gives us an example right there of the greater work, the greater miracle, the greater moment. And he goes, I know God more in my weakness, in this moment. And I give thanks for it now. My expectation wasn't met, and thank God he didn't do it. Everyone knows that Garth Brooks song. Thank God for unanswered prayer. He gets it a little bit. So here's the deal. I have a video for us to watch. Marissa, are you ready? You ready to hit the pause button when I tell you? Okay. Here's the deal. This is about something that's so important. We're going to test your skill. Okay? Because here's what I want us to realize. Pay attention to... To how many passes happen? So it's going to be this video. There's a there's a white team and a black team. And they're passing the ball. But it's crazy. Like they're passing this basketball. And I want you to count. Like really pay attention to how many passes that you see. Let me just tell you this. Last night, no one got it right. The Like to really observe what's going on and see it. No one actually got what was really going on correct. Okay? So... I'm believing there's somebody in here that can really see what's happening, okay? All right, pay attention. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? Okay, how many? 13. 13? 11? Anybody get in the 20s? If you got in the 20s, you're totally wrong. Okay, so just let me help you. <clears throat> did anyone see what was actually happening, though? there's a bear. Go ahead and play, this, play it again. The answer is 13, but did you see the moonwalking bear? It's easy to miss something you're not looking for. See, because what we expect, we look for. What we expect to happen is what we see. And how many of us actually miss what was going on in the video because we're expecting to count the number of passes, but there is a man in a bear suit moonwalking. (laughs) And I never heard anybody in the crowd go, Huh, that's weird. Why? Here's what I want to say to you. Don't miss what God is doing because you didn't expect to see it. Don't miss what God is doing in your life because you didn't expect to see him do something like that. This is actually a psychological term called inattentional blindness. Listen to this definition of it. Rather than focusing on every tiny detail in the world around us, we tend to concentrate on things that are most important, relying on existing schemes to fill in the blanks. How many of us are missing the work of God in our life because we're allowing our expectations to fill in the blank and we don't actually see what God is doing? What happened in the story with the people? They both had expectations to see healing. But the woman didn't expect to be known. And Jairus and the people didn't expect a dead girl to get up. I wonder for how many. See he, he let down their expectation. To do something so much greater. See she when she was healed didn't come back to Jesus. Shouting for joy. She came back in fear and trembling. Because her expectation was. You're going to treat me like everybody else. And his was daughter. Their expectation was, why bother the teacher anymore? She's dead. And Jesus goes like, it's cool to heal sick people. It's better to raise dead people back to life. Are you missing the miracle because you aren't expecting to see it? I wonder for us in our lives... How many of us have missed the hand of God and the work of God and the face of God in our lives because we just were looking for something else? And it's true. You guys got 13 passes right, but you missed what the whole thing was actually about. And I think that that happens so much in our lives. And I want you to hear for just a second how God is a God who exceeds expectations. Listen to this. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they hid from God, and God went and found them. Moses, when he leads Israel out of Egypt, gets to a sea, and God splits the sea. Joshua, when he gets into the land, comes to a city that has an insurmountable wall that is impenetrable, and God brings down the wall. David had to face a giant. Jesus and God were establishing a king. Not only that, Naomi thought that she was done and alone, and Jesus and God bring Boaz. Mary had an unplanned pregnancy, and God was bringing a Messiah. 5,000 people thought that they were going to be hungry with five loaves, uh, five loaves and, three fi- and two fish, but Jesus made enough for leftovers. They thought that he would hang out with religious people. And yet Jesus served the least of these. Jairus thought that his daughter was dead and Jesus was going to bring her back to life. The people expected a king that would eradicate Rome, but Jesus is a Messiah dominating sin. And not only that, They thought that he was dead on a tree, but he rose again from a grave. And in the future, it will look like in the book of Revelation that evil is winning and Jesus is getting ready to speak the end of it all. He's always been a God who exceeds expectation. And so let me ask you right now, what is your expectation in this season and in life? Are you seeing where God is moving in your life right now? Or are you just looking for what you expect? We believe and serve in the God, according to Ephesians, who can do immeasurably more than we could have ever hoped for or imagined. Here's the little Blake short note. He's a God who exceeds expectation. And you'll never be so glad that you've been let down. I mean, could you imagine getting to the Red Sea and going, man, (laughs) what? We got here? Does anyone know how to swim? I know we've been living in a desert for a really long time, so that wasn't a skill in the school sports. But no? Okay. God, what do we do? You got us out of Egypt. Are you going to get us through this? Yeah, I'll split the sea. I mean, are you allowed and willing and in this moment in your life to expect more, to see what God is actually doing? See, I've never been so glad to be disappointed in my life because here's the reality. What happens is is misery loves company. And so here's what I want to tell you. Don't allow others to kill your expectation of God. We live in a time and world where a lot of people's expectation of God and the church is aired out on the internet as they destroy everything. I'm just going to, my expectations of what the church should be, of what God should be like, and all of these things weren't met, and so you know what I am? I'm going to destroy everything, and I want you to join me in my misery because misery loves company. But maybe God is doing something more than making people in the church perfect people. Maybe the beauty is that his love is that he loves people who aren't perfect. And so maybe part of the miracle and the beauty of what God is doing in his church and the fact that it isn't perfect is showing his greater love. Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe that's what happens in this life. Mark 535. It's so simple. While Jesus was speaking, some people, not Jairus, some people came to the synagogue leader and says this, your daughter is dead. you're like, oh, okay. Why bother the teacher anymore? He didn't meet your expectations, so why mess with him? And maybe that's what you're hearing as you watch YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and you watch all these people who go, my expectations weren't met. So I want you to, why even bother with the church and with God and with Jesus anymore? And what I would say is this, and this is what I would say to you. Do you have good expectations or God expectations? Because let me just tell you something. The God that I read about in the Bible lets down people's expectations of what is good to do something that only God can do. And are you expecting that in your life? God does more, and you'll never be so glad that you've been let down in your life. But in the process of the letdown, don't lose faith. Because what does Jesus say when they say your daughter's dead? He says, don't be afraid. Believe. In the process of getting from where he heals the woman to getting to the house, that's a long road. How many of us know that? But God was getting ready to do something better than expected. He was going to raise a dead girl back to life. But I guarantee you, for Jairus, that was a long walk. And so let me ask you a question, church. Do you have good expectations Or God expectations. And here's what I find happens to a lot of us. A lot of us look at people and go, I've got some God size expectations on the church. I've got some God size expectations on my spouse. I've got some God sized expectations on my kids. And then we walk over to God and we go, I got some good expectations from you. Wrong. We go to the church, and it's okay to call people to a high standard. It's okay to call people, like, to be kind and generous and all of these things. It's okay to expect Christians in the church to be good people. It's okay. But good expectations aren't God expectations. And so some of us need to reverse the roles in our life, and we need to look at the people around us in our families at our Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner tables, and we need to have good expectations for people, but realize they're not God. So when they're imperfect... Okay, and then we need to go over to God and go, and I've got God expectations for you. And I don't even know what that looks like. I'm just going to believe there's more. I'm just going to believe. Like, I don't, I don't think Moses was like, I got a God expectation. He's going to split the sea. I think God, Moses just goes, you got us here. You'll get us there. I don't know how, so I'm just going to wait. Do you have good expectations or God expectations? There's a seminary student a couple years ago. I heard this this week. Isn't it crazy how some things pop up in your feed and all that stuff that just like, oh, that's what I needed today. Okay, great. So this isn't my analogy, but it's a good analogy. So there's this moment where this kid, uh, young seminary student there in Switzerland. If you know anything about Switzerland, it's pretty liberal theologically. So this kid is sitting on some steps, and he's reading the Bible, and he's like, oh, wow. Oh, this is so good. Our God is so good. You know, this professor walks by. He goes, oh, man, I notice you're reading the Bible. What are you so excited about? He said, oh, man, I'm reading this story where God brings Israel out of Egypt, and he brings them to the sea, and the sea is there, and the army is coming, and you're like, what's going to happen? And then God splits the sea, and the people of Israel pass through, and they're saved. And the professor, who's a Debbie Downer, it looks, well, huh? you know, I'm a liberal theologian, so here's the deal. You know that historically there's some scholars, that's always a word, some scholars, what scholars, just some of them, some scholars believe that there was a massive drought going on during that time in the sea where they crossed was only five inches deep. I'm like, well, that's not a big deal. So the student stops, and he goes, oh, Oh, man, our God is so good. Can you believe the God that we serve? Can you believe how amazing God is? And at this point, the professor's mad because misery loves company. And the professor looks and goes, what are you excited about now? And the student goes, our God is so good. Can you believe that our God drowned the entire Egyptian army in five inches of water? (laughs) And the people were saved. Do you have good expectations or God expectations? Do you allow other people to kill your expectation of God, or do you always see the more? I told you at the beginning of this message, I cannot change the way other people behave, but we can adjust our expectations. And you can walk into that Christmas dinner table, you can walk into that moment, Cody's going to come up, you can walk into all of these things, and you can be ready to face whatever. And you go, God, I got good expectations on these people, but if they're disappointing, I believe you've got something better. I believe you'll heal me. I believe that you'll help me see. I believe you'll help me be the example. I believe. And so just as you're getting ready to head to these moments in the next few weeks, it's busy. I mean, that card couldn't be any more full of all the things going on. And I know that your life is even busier. Let me just tell you this, church. You will see what you expect. So if you want hurt, if you want disappointment, if you want anger, if you want all of these things, you'll find it. Because it's the only path you're looking for. But if you're looking beyond, from the good to the God, I believe you'll see something better this season. And it won't be a holiday hurt. It will be a season full of joy because you will see God work in ways that you didn't expect and you'll never be so glad that you've been let down. And so as we get ready to end this morning, we're going to go eat all this food. I don't know what your expectations are, but I have high expectations. So if you see me spit your food out, I'm sorry. I just have impossible standards. I'm kidding. But as we get ready to leave this place, maybe some of us need to adjust not only our good and God expectations, but maybe we need to adjust our expectations On the people sitting next to us in the room. Or maybe the people who aren't sitting next to us in the room. Maybe we need to adjust the expectation of our families. Maybe we need to adjust the expectation on our mom. Maybe we need to adjust the expectation on our dad. Maybe we need to adjust our expectation of the church. Maybe we need to adjust our expectation of ourselves. Because let me just tell you, this is a story that came out yesterday, and here's what happened. This was one of the most freeing moments early on in Bedrock. There's this young lady in our church and she had gone through a lot. She really didn't have a dad and she had gone through a lot. She had some pretty high expectations. And there was this one weekend that we were talking about forgiveness. And I just said like, hey, if there's anybody that you need to just grab their hand and you need to just come up with them and you need to ask for forgiveness or tell them that you forgive them, whatever it is, I'd ask that you do that. And so, I'm, you know, I'm standing there and she comes down and she says, can I pray with you? I was like, yeah, sure. And she said, um, I need to forgive you and I need to ask for your forgiveness of me. And I was like, okay, what's going on? Because she was acting a little weird. And she said, I've been expecting you to be my dad. And you're not. And I'm sorry. I've been holding you to a standard that you never should have been held to. I need to adjust my expectation of you. Will you forgive me? And I was like, oh, that's why you're upset. And so I looked at her and I said, I can't ever be your dad, but I can be your pastor. I can be your friend. I can walk through life with you. And I'm so glad that you adjusted this. I forgive you. You forgive me. I didn't know. Because here's the deal. Unsaid expectation will cause you to be disappointed and other people to fail. But like even maybe in this room today, like you might need to come to your pastors and say, hey, can you forgive me? I put some expectations on you as our pastor. That wasn't fair. Will you forgive me? But I just know that in this moment, when we release our expectations and properly adjust them, there's so much freedom in the place.